Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Fashion Talks. I hope that you are doing well. Today, my guest is Miles Sexton, and we got through a lot in this episode. You are going to love it. Miles was incredibly generous with their stories, insights, sharing their experiences. You are going to love it. We touch on fashion and healing and reclaiming your power. We talk about fashion and self-care. We talk about fashion and activism. In particular, if you have not seen their video on living with HIV, you must. And we talk a lot about the fashion choices that went into the into that video. Let me share a little bit more about Miles. They are a creative director, stylist, makeup artist, HIV AIDS and sobriety activist, and queer fashion nomad. Miles's editorial work has been featured in Vogue Italia, Elle, New York Times, and Fashion Magazine. They have worked with celebrity clients, including Grace Jones, Mae Musk, Winnie Harlow, Nelly Furtado, Lights, and Emily Haynes of Metric. They have worked for over 10 years acting as a spokesperson for numerous fashion beauty lifestyle brands, including the outerwear brand Canada Goose, Fenty Beauty, Macage, Wuxley, Sephora, just to name a few. Let's get straight to the conversation with the lovely Miles Sexton. Miles, it is so wonderful to see you and have you here on Fashion Talks today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, this, I'm so excited for our chat because it's going to have this really like, we're going to kind of dig into the personal, emotional strategy of dressing, which yeah. I just... I just love, I just love. But before we go there, can you give, you know, for people who don't follow you on social, and we'll definitely link to your handles in the show notes below, can you give just a little bit of a snapshot of, you know, where you started in small town, East Coast, Nova Scotia, Canada, to where you are today? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Well, well, my name is Miles Sexton. I use they, them pronouns. And I literally grew up in the tiniest little pumpkin growing town in Nova Scotia. I think there's like under a thousand people that lived there. So, you know, who knew that uh, I could work in the fashion and beauty industry growing up there? Because like, literally, I was I didn't even have internet, I think, until I was like 15 years old. So perish the thought. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It's, I mean, it's definitely been been a journey. I, I literally ended up moving to Toronto on my 18th birthday. And I feel like life just totally changed from there, chasing my dreams kind of in the big city. And I've been able to, you know, travel all over the world doing makeup and modeling and, you know, working as a, as a stylist as well. And now doing my own content creation. So it's, you know, it's, it's been, been, been a very cool journey so far, but those are kind of the cold notes. <laughs> and talk a little bit about what your content creation is, because that's kind of one of your, apart from your activism, that's kind of one of your main things right now. So how did that come about? How did that start? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because I always have been sharing my journey online, like whether it was MySpace or then Facebook, and then it kind of came into Instagram and now TikTok. I guess I just, I think representation is so important for me. And growing up in a small town, obviously, I never saw anyone that was like myself, because, you know, I think the gender stereotypes that are that exist, or the gender binaries, you know, that 
you have to like kind of be a man or you have to be a woman. And there was kind of nothing that was in between. And I never felt kind of one, one or the other. And so I think, I think for me, it was just sort of like using social media was a great way for me to connect with other people like all over the world, but then, and to kind of help myself find community. Um, but then also like to try to like put myself out there in the world so that like someone like myself you know, has someone that they they see themselves in, you know, because I didn't exist in mainstream media, I think at the time, especially. So that's sort of how I got kind of into the whole content creation. It's just like grown and evolved so much since then, you know, now I'm doing it as a full-time job and who knew, like, you know, making funny videos of myself online, wearing great, you know, great outfits. Would, wearing would... the best clothes ever. <laughs> <laughs> who was your first uh, content client? Oh, oh my God. That's such a, I think it was actually like a skincare brand. I think it was Jack Black actually. It was the first like paid one I think that I got, which was kind of cool. <laughs> that's so awesome. And for any of you who haven't seen Miles, skin and hair glows for days. So <laughs> no wonder the beauty brands come running. Um, when you were, you know, 15 year old Miles or, or, you know, before you moved to Toronto, like, is there a moment where you had this understanding that fashion or clothing did more for you than just, you know, protect our body from the element. Was there this kind of any moment that was this aha, that it was a tool to be used for something else? Yeah, I mean, I always like I think I was always obsessed with just like clothing in general, like, you know, whether it was like, I I really am a bit of a history nerd. So like, I really love like ancient kind of like films that like talk about ancient like civilizations and things like that. And, you know, I was always like looking to how they were dressed. And so I feel like that was sort of like one thing that I was always kind of like gravitating towards of like, I was always getting inspired by it. And like, I think for me, it was like, oh, like, the men and like the traditional man at that time were wearing silhouettes that weren't necessarily like what the modern day man was. So I think that that's maybe why I like grabbed to that. Um, so, you know, the, it was kind of cool. Like my mom ran a thrift store at the time and she had this like cute little chickle trunk of, of things like at her place. And so like, oftentimes I would find myself like sneaking into the like, kind of the room and like, you know, there was like the boy and girl costumes and like, I would be like trying on some of the dresses and things like that. And it would just like, I don't know. It was like this, this kind of like out of body experience, I think for me of just kind of like escaping my, my gender role that I was told to be, you know, and getting to kind of play in that. So. Well, and when you say out of body experience, like I just got this, kind of flash of 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 a memory of like we had a tickle trunk too like oh, it was mostly it. clothes yeah totally all the all the, all the mr dress up kids yes right? but it was this like it was mostly like vintage clothes that mm -hmm. were my mom's or my grandmother's and stuff like that and you know i loved playing dress up as well and i'm wondering you know what do you think about the act of playing dress up in terms of how it informed your relationship with fashion you know, after the fact, did it, you know, was it part of the foundational kind of experience of what fashion could do Absolutely. for you as a person? Because I, I think it like allowed me to like tap into like that, like part of my soul that I, I felt like I, I couldn't identify with, you know, when I looked in the mirror, you know, and fashion was like that little piece for me, um, you know, and obviously it's evolved so much, I think, since like those moments, you know, because I think, you know, then it was like, it was like, I think for me, like trying to find myself, but then, you know, as I got older, I think fashion really kind of became like this armor that I needed to wear. Uh, you know, I, you know, it was hard. It was really hard growing up in Nova Scotia, you know, so when 
I think when you're told that you're wrong or that you're not like not worthy of love, I think repeatedly for most of your life, you know, I think that that weighs heavy on your mental health. And, you know, I had survived a suicide attempt. And I think coming through that fashion was like that thing that I kind of grabbed to because it was like, I could like create my exterior in a way that was like so vibrant and, you know, creative. And it kind of like became this armor so that I could like allow that be kind of what people saw on the outside and like, and so that I could kind of heal on the inside and get, get to a place where like my inside met how I like presented, I guess, myself to the world. Um, so, you know, it's definitely grown so much since then. And then even, you know, now it's just kind of, I, I always call fashion really is like my, my protest in the world. You know, I, I'm really trying to like be a thought provoker. I think when people see me and, you know, that I, I try to, you know, challenge, I think, like, gender norms when it comes to fashion. So I, I love kind of just existing in my fashion in the world and seeing how people respond to it. So was there an outfit that you wore in Nova Scotia that kind of comes to mind that was as you started to bring your more authentic self forward, that was kind of part of that, that armor, like a, an accessory or, or an outfit that meant something to you at that time? Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Like, so there's this really amazing, like Canadian sister duo. So their, their name's Bofi. I don't know if you know them. Yeah. They're so, they're so good. So they, the, the brand was called something different, but I actually met them when they were in school, like starting their brand, which was so cool. And they studied actually in Nova Scotia. And I remember they like made these like long leather feather kind of esque earrings and oh my god I literally would like put it on and I would just like feel like a million dollars like I didn't have long hair at the time so I felt like you know my my earring was blowing in the wind and I just felt so fabulous and like you know everyone was always complimenting me and it just kind of became like I guess like one of my first like signature things that I was wearing for 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 so many years (laughs) I love that because it's just like I don't mean just but it's an accessory it's not like you're talking about having some closet of you know, things. I couldn't it, afford it. You it know. Can be, yeah. <laughs> so. Which of us could <laughs> when we were kids, right? But, but the power of even just one item that when you put it on, it ignited your, your, your soul somehow totally. that you had a different, you know, different sense of courage or energy or whatnot. Like yeah. that's so the power of, of fashion. Yeah, I felt unstoppable. You know, I was like, no one, no one can, no one can say anything negative to me now. Like, it's like, I, I know I look fabulous, you know? <laughs> and you're so bold with, you know, certainly what, you know, you wear to, you know, to events and mm. what you put on your channels and whatnot. Is that sense of, of joy and of thoughtfulness, something that has stayed with you when you are considering, you know, dressing for a shoot or even just dressing for the day? Like what's the, what's your relationship with fashion like right now? Absolutely. Like, I think for me, you know, it's like, it's really become like, you know, I think we're all, you know, we're, it's like the buzzword right now, like self-love, but it's like, it really like, it, it really is like that undisturbed moment that I take. And it's only like, I don't know, like five or 10 minutes that I take for myself in the morning and I go into my closet and I'm like, okay, like, what do I feel today? Like, what what's the vibe going to be? You know, because I, I, I think when people look at me, I'm definitely very much a chameleon. I, I love to like lean into my divine feminine and my divine masculine. And I think it depends on the day that, you know, and how I'm feeling. And so it just becomes this like ritualistic kind of moment that I take for myself in the morning that I just, I just, I love. And it like kind of grounds and centers me and starts my day off on like a really positive note. 
Do you ever think about it the night before and then it changes in the morning when you go to actually get dressed? Oh my gosh, all the time. Because like, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I want to wear this like sheer mesh, mesh nude illusion moment. And then I go outside and it's like negative 25 degrees out. And you're like, ah, no, can't Perhaps wear that not today. today. Perhaps not today. <laughs> the, the nips will be out. <laughs> and so we were just talking about, you know, that thoughtfulness when you have when you're doing it for the camera let's say like when you're doing it for like your content or whatnot versus when you're doing it just for yourself is it the same kind of thoughtfulness regardless of what your day yeah I mean like you know because I feel like it's it's one of those things like it just doesn't really change you know unless I'm like walking the dog I feel like that's the only time that I like I feel like I, I, I have to dress down just because he like covers me in mud all the time. But like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that it's just this, it's this, it, it really depends on the day and the, the feeling, but I feel like the intention is always the same, no matter what, no matter what I'm doing. And, you know, I recently moved like out of Toronto and I've been living up North. And so I'm like, you know, I'm looking at some of these like really like fabulous clothes in my closet and I'm like, where, where am I going to wear these? And then, you know, I just have these days where I'm like, I'm wearing it around the house or I'm going to go to the grocery store in it or the corner store, you know, it's like, whatever, you know, I'm doing it for myself and I don't need a big social event in order to like, just wear that. So, which I think is something maybe the pandemic has inspired yeah. us that we didn't need the occasion we could just enjoy clothes for what they did for us instead of the performative nature and of that's them. how it should be you know like I think I think sometimes we get so on this like hype hype beast kind of like part of fashion that I'm like no like that's not what fashion is about it should be about like your own self-expression and you know not for other people like do it for you And you've had a lot of, like, you're so vulnerable and brave with your activism. And I want to talk about this wonderful video that you posted. How long ago was your living with HIV video? It it will be two, I think it was two years last July. What, two years last July? I think it is. Oh my gosh. I like time I is like a blur because of the pandemic agreed. All the last year is still 2019. <laughs> um, how did you decide what to wear for that? And how did you want to feel as you were sharing this part of your story? How did those two things go together? Oh gosh. Well, you know, like this video is like a very big moment for me, you know, because it kind of it took me like almost three years to really like get to this point where I could publicly talk about my HIV status, you know, and I think I needed to do a lot of like internal healing and, and, you know, and, and something that I, I did a lot of like reading on has kind of been about like reclaiming your power, you know, and, and I think that like, it's, it's one of these things, you know, like, I think we all have stigma or like prejudice or things like that, like inside of us based off of how, how we grew up or how we were educated and, you know, so this video for me was really about like me reclaiming my power. And, and I think like, you know, obviously, I think a lot of the fashion that I was wearing in the video too, like, kind of had like little special meanings for me. Like I had this like silk, black, like Python print, like shirt on, you know, because I felt like I was like very much to me, I was like, I'm like, shedding this part of like my trauma, you know, that I'm letting, letting mm-hmm. go of. And, and then I wore kind of this like signature black like wide brim hat that I that I just kind of became one of like my staples as I was kind of like going through my healing process of uh um of like recovering after being diagnosed with HIV so was there was the hat something that was made for you or was it something that you found and it just 
you know, resonated because I've, the hat is so cool and I've seen you in it so often. Is there something special about it? Yeah. So it's actually kind of funny that, not funny, but like, it's a cute story. So when, before I even knew about my, like that, my, about my status, I was losing like a lot of my hair. I got really, really sick and I, the virus was like starting to like actually affect my immune system. I like, and, and I had been living with it, I guess, for a while before like unknowing of that I had it in my body. So my hair started falling out in like chunks and I lost like, I think at least like 40% of my hair. And so I had a lot of like balding areas at the top of my head. And, you know, I've been always known for like my luscious big hair, you know? And so it was- You got great locks, Miles. (laughs) You know, so it was like, it was a very like traumatic moment, you know, for me, like losing that part of like my identity, you know? So I, I had reached out to like my friends at Cuda Tet who designed the hat. And, you know, I was like, hey, is there like a way, like it was my first kind of hat from them. And I was like, I, this is kind of happening to me. Like, is, is it possible to, for you to design a hat that I could kind of wear with everything that I'm wearing, you know, at events so people don't know that like my hair is falling out. And uh, they were like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Like, we're going to do this. And so I went, the day I went to pick it up, it was like such a such a cool I went to their studio and and then they're like, oh, we added something really special like to the hat. And they like I flipped it over and like on like the inside brim of the hat, it says like this too shall pass. And I just like, oh my god, I like cry. What a cry every time I tell the story. Cause it was just Understandably. Like, you know, it was just like such a like it was such a like the perfect affirmation, you know, for like the meaning behind this type of thing. Because I just you know, I, I, as, as, as maybe as silly as like hair might seem, but it, it really was such a huge part of my identity that I felt like kind of stripped of and, you know, having something that I could like kind of like hide it for until it grew back was just like, it was such a like relief, I think for me, um, that I felt like I was getting a bit of my identity back. So it really kind of became this piece that I've just, I, I literally, I take it with me everywhere on every trip, everywhere as I travel, I wear it multiple times a week. It's just kind of a very special fashion piece for me. I hear a connection between empowerment and fashion Mm -hmm. as you tell that story. Does that resonate for you? Absolutely. You know, like I I think that so many people look at fashion maybe from like a superficial perspective, you know, and I, I think that, yes, obviously that exists. I think like every industry has like the dark side, you know, or whatever to it or the superficial side. But, you know, I still truly believe that, you know, there's been these like moments through my life where you know, fashion has allowed me to heal. It's been allowed me to like grow. It's protected me. You know, it's, it's been these things that are like emotionally, like way beyond, I think just like the actual garment itself, you know? How would, if someone was to look at you and say, I don't understand how fashion helps you heal. Like, like, like tell me more. Like I just, I don't get it. I, I have never thought about it that way. How would you draw them a picture of what that means for you? Absolutely. Like, I love this question because I think I get asked all the time, like, oh, like, how can I be confident like you? I think that's like, you know, it's kind of another way of saying that question, you know? And it's like, it's it's one of these things is like, I don't know. Confidence is not something you just like roll out of bed and have, you know, like if only <laughs> I, I mean, I wish it, it, it's not. It's something that's like taught. It comes with like a level of like knowing who you are, you know, but like we all have to start somewhere and we're all like, you know, whether we all have like child parts of ourselves and, you know, like as we're growing, you know, we know we're trying to get more confident. We're trying to love ourselves more. And sometimes that's a really difficult conversation to have, you know, but 
I think sometimes like fashion or like makeup or hair, these can all be like things that we can do, whether it's like putting that earring in or the putting on the red lipstick or dressing a certain way, that it becomes like that reminder of like to yourself of like, okay, like I'm going to do this. This is like an act of me reclaiming my power. This is me an act of like me being brave or me being expressive. And it's like, it kind of allows us to teach ourselves and become more comfortable, I think, in our, like, you know, in this state of like being confident, you know, or just, just expressing ourselves in general or like breaking outside of what the norm is, right? So. Are there any other milestone moments in your career where you can think and say, and I wore this for some very specific reasons, apart from just wanting to like feel great and feel like myself that that resonate for you? I think like one, another one that really stands out to me, I think was like the first time that I actually got like invited to Toronto Fashion Week. You know, I was like, I think, oh my gosh, I must've been in my early twenties and, you know, it, I wanted to kind of do something that would like kind of bridge like where I came from and then, you know, where, where I was in the city. And I, I, I think that's like just part of who I am. I love this like contrast between like industry versus nature, you know? And I think that that is Mm -hmm. a big influence, I think in my fashion sense too. Um, So I, I had harvested some of these like deer antlers that came from like from one of my, from some of my cousins And so I had like created this like deer antler headpiece that I wore. Um, And so like, it was like all braided into my hair and like, you know, it was just like this kind of crown of antlers looked so, so amazing. And then I wore this like long kind of like, I don't know, kind of like drapey black dress kind of on top, uh, like on my body with it. And and I, I just remember like walking into Toronto Fashion Week and just like the reaction was just like people were going wild. I was like, this is what a celebrity feels like, you know, yeah. like <laughs> to have their picture taken like so much. And, you know, I think it was just like it was one of those moments, I think, for me being like when you fully when I fully like leaned in to like my authentic, authentic self, like this was like the response, you know, and, and it just I think it taught me a big lesson in you know, I think sometimes we're so afraid to kind of like show the world and be vulnerable because I think that takes a lot of courage of like who we are, you know, and then that we think it's going to be the opposite of like that it's going to be so negative or people are going to make fun of us. And, you know, we get in our head and we let shame kind of come to the surface, you know, and and then when we're like living in these moments and it's actually happening, it's most of the time it's the opposite, you know, and you're like, no, people are like so supportive and it's like they love it and they're like praising you for it. So it, I think it was just like a big lesson for me in that moment um, of just like understanding myself and learning to love myself and keep leaning into my authenticity. So. Well, and that's a great segue to talk about the Amsterdam rainbow dress. Can you talk a little bit about what that is for people who don't know and what it felt like to literally be embodied by the symbolism that it represents? Oh my gosh. So this dress is like a dress that's made up of like all of the flags. I think it's 72 or 74 countries flags that it's like, it's can either be like a death sentence or a criminal sentence to be like queer. And so it ha- it's like literally this entire dress of it. And then every time a country like changes their laws, that country's flag gets replaced with a rainbow flag. So it's this like giant, giant, giant dress. Like it, it's like I could I can't even walk in it. It's so heavy. Well, it's like, like that's, 52 that's, feet or something. Yeah, I think I read. It's yeah. huge, you know? So we actually got to like this dress like travels around the world as sort of like this political sort of statement, you know, um, 
so like it'll go it'll usually go to like like parliament in that country and like it kind of like helps to start this sort of dialogue around like challenging certain laws like that exist within the country so when it came to Canada, it was like right around the time where conversion therapy was like, was coming to an end. So it was kind of like the perfect, perfect time to kind of mm-hmm. like that, like the final blow, you know? Um, so we actually got to shoot the dress like up at the top of the CN Tower, which I literally had like goosebumps the moment I like pulled it on. Cause it's just like, you know, it, it, I think it's, it has like this very, it has like this weight, you know, to it, not just physically, you know, but I think like emotionally mm-hmm. and you know, I think we're so lucky to live in a country like Canada where I'm, I'm, you know, generally much more safe than many countries. You know, people are still dying every single day that are part of my community. And I think that's a privilege that I need to recognize. But I think this dress, you know, is such a great way to kind of like show that impact and kind of call out, you know, a lot of that, how many countries like still exist in the world. Because I think often we get in this like bubble where we don't realize that there is, you know, that there's 70 274 countries still left in the world that it's a criminal sentence so what would 15 year old miles have thought if they knew what current day miles was was going to be doing in terms of like having that activism in the in the rainbow dress and whatnot i you know i i feel like i would if, if I had that representation when I was a kid, I'm so curious to like see where I would be. Maybe I would have found myself a lot sooner. Like, I don't know, you know, but it's like, I, I think I would just be so proud. And I think I'd be very emotional, you know, because I just, I really did feel so like isolated and alone. I think at that time in my childhood that, you know, I, I think I've been able to make an impact, especially in Canada, I think like already. And it's just, it's so exciting to see kind of where it's going and, you know, how many brands I'm now getting to work with and creating representation of being like their first like non-binary person that's, you know, that that's modeling for them or, or is doing some sort of like social campaign with them. You know, it's, I just, I never, honestly, I never thought in a million years that I would be at this point. So it's, I thought it would be a, a lot harder. So <laughs> can you talk a little bit about what, like, what is the impact of, of not, because representation is something that, you know, we is so, you know, of the moment mm-hmm. right now. And it's certainly not a new concept about, you know, needing representation in, in media and, and in fashion specifically, what did it feel like to not see yourself represented? And what do you hope now being the representation is, is going to do for future Mileses? Like for all the other, you know, queer, non-binary, you know, young people who may not see themselves. You know, I think it just, it changes so much, right? Because like, you know, I, I love to use this example of like, you know, we live in this world that has been, you know, especially like, in the time that I was growing up, which is the 90s, you know, like the 90s, especially early 2000s, it's like, you know, even even the 80s, it's like, it was a time that was curated by like, cis, you know, cis white male people for other like, you know, cis white people. And so it's just like, it, we're really in this moment of like, of now that's starting to be challenged, and it's starting to change. And we're starting to like, to get more diversity, I think, like in I think, who's like curating this. And you know, I think that's so impactful because like, I think when we don't see ourselves in, in like, we don't see ourselves represented, it it really like, I think it's really difficult because it makes you not feel worthy. You know, it makes Mm -hmm. you not. And and I think that that, that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, I, I, I think like even just 
I think our own privileges that we have every single day. It's like, you know, I wasn't, I, I, I grew up like being told that, you know, I had, I had to like women and I, and that, that was like, that was the normal. And I never knew that there was an option outside of that, you know, until I literally got the internet and was like, oh, this makes sense. This is like who I am. And, you know, so it's just like, it's these things of like, I think it's this huge emotional journey that I think a lot of people go through when they're not represented. And I think that that has so many like ripple, like so many waterfalling effects, like on mental health, you know, I think when you're constantly mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. feeling beautiful or worthy or loved, you know, and, and oftentimes we don't, we might not get it from our parents and people may not have the privilege to get get it from there you know so mm-hmm. oftentimes we look to these like idols or these celebrities or other people to like validate us that you know that that, that who we are is all is also okay and normal and fashion can be set like many creative arts fashion can be such a source of of community mm-hmm. in that way sometimes it's like the original clickbait right the other thing that you've become quite um, open about is your choice to live soberly. Yes. And I'm wondering, how does that impact, or maybe it doesn't, um, your your interaction with the fashion industry? Because God knows that, you know, the the cocktail party and the events, like there's a lot of of drinking and partying that comes with this with this industry sometimes? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think like, I'm sure you can relate. Like I, you know, before the pandemic, I literally could go out and drink for free, like every single night of the week, you know, and it just kind of like became this ritualistic thing that, that I was, or, uh, you know, a script that I was getting on, you know, it's like, Oh, let's go out. Let's have a few drinks. But I just, I felt like, you know, it, it, kind of becomes this bit of like this toxic sort of pattern I think for me anyway um because I felt like it was hard because it's like you know okay I went out I drank too many drinks and now I'm hungover and now I have to like work you know and I think when working is like you know my face was like a big one if I looked tired or I looked hungover it was like always so hard you know it's like makeup can only hide so much right and so I just, I just really identified that there was like an unhealthy sort of pattern that, that I had kind of started going on. And I was like, you know what, I need to like, take a step back. I need to like remove, I think like this, this form of numbing that I was gravitating towards, because like, I think I, and sometimes in social settings, I could be like a very introverted person. So I think I relied a bit too on alcohol to like make me more extroverted, I think in public settings. And, you know, I think especially in fashion, it, you need to kind of network all the time and kind of be in front of everyone's face all the time. So they like think of you or you like get to meet new people that bring in new jobs. And so I think it's always, it's been an interesting sort of dance, I think now, because I think a lot of people, because I stopped drinking, like actually like removed themselves from my circle and like didn't want to like continue working with me or like to be around me, which I think is really interesting that like when you choose to be sober, it's interesting how many people project their own like emotions onto you. And it's like, because I'm choosing to be sober, it doesn't mean that I'm like judging you or like thinking because you're drinking that you're doing something wrong. It's like, this is a personal choice for me and I'll never ask Mm -hmm. you not to drink. You know, but it but it was very interesting, like what events I got stopped getting invited to because I didn't drink drink anymore. And you know, so it definitely like shifted things. And I think that's why I've always just like appreciated social media because I've like always been able to be in control of it and like, you know, and I could like c- continue to put what I wanted out there. And I think people who are attracted to that like have kind of come to me. But 
yeah, it was definitely a big adjustment, I think, for me at the time of like trying to navigate the like kind of world of fashion as a sober person, because <laughs> there's like not many and, sober spaces that exist. And hopefully that like, you know, evolves, right? Where yeah. there are more, you know, non-alcoholic options at events and, and you know, the the options for sober curious, sober living mm-hmm. becomes more integrated because I think there's been this kind of black or white about it. You're 100%. Either, right. And, and it's like those two worlds can't ever meet. And, and I know more and more people who are choosing to be sober for all kinds of reasons saying, I would still like to come. Yeah. Exactly. I still want to dress up. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, so has it changed? Does, does, does sobriety kind of like, cause you're so conscious and thoughtful about what you wear has it impacted how you dress at all? Like, do you think differently, even if it's just practically like, oh, I don't want to get red wine on that. I'm not going to borrow, uh, you know, <laughs> is there practicality around it in your dressing or? I mean, I, I think that's actually a good point because I feel like I wear like way more white and color now, <laughs> but that's just something you made me think of. I, I, I wouldn't like, I guess, you know, outside of that, outside of that point, I don't know if it's impacted or changed I just think that like it's allowed me to like access I think like a deeper level of self and I think a deeper understanding of who I am and I've been able to have a lot of those like hard conversations with myself so I think like overall like emotionally yes it's definitely impacted a lot and I think that shows maybe in my fashion in terms of like how I express myself you know um because I think now especially now it's just like you know i i am just going all in you know it's like the the bigger the sparklier the wilder the better you know it's like i i really am like not holding back anymore when it comes to fashion and i just i love that well and maybe like what i hear you saying is that this choice has allowed you to you know be more more present think more deeply Mm -hmm. which has allowed you to make even bigger choices than perhaps you would have before. So it is reflected sometimes in your, in your fashion because you you're even braver. Yes, totally. Yeah. I feel more confident for sure. I'm not going through this like psychological warfare anymore of like, are people going to like me? I need to drink more, you know, like that's gone. That's been removed. I, I feel great. I walk into an event and I'm like, I'm here. What's up? You know, like, so it's definitely changed. <laughs> now, the other thing that's changed, because I don't think we can talk about like clothing and fashion <laughs> and shifts without talking about the pandemic, yes. right? Like it has, it has, you know, for to, to small or enormous ends, I think it has re- made all of us reflect a little bit on how and why and what we wear. Yes. Has the pandemic impacted how has it impacted you and your fashion choices? Like, have you, are, are the, is there a hoodie hiding in your closet somewhere, Miles? <laughs> I purchased my first two-piece, like, sweatsuit during the pandemic. And now I understand what all the hype's about. I am obsessed. I now have multiple pairs. I, like, want to live in them all the time because they're so damn comfortable. Um, but I had no idea. Because <laughs> I was, like, refused to buy it. I was like, no, I will not be a sweatpant wearer. But, no. Was that your inner snob? Like, did the, did the pandemic? kind of allow you to be like okay well I can I can chill a little bit and try these things which I wouldn't have you know turned an eye to before well you know it's really like you know I think for me because everything switched to like I would stand for work like all day right so for me it really actually like made me recognize like my privilege in terms of like being an able-bodied person because now having to sit 
in a chair and do Zoom for like at least eight hours, like six to eight hours a day, clothing became uncomfortable. Like it was just like if I wasn't wearing the right pants or I wasn't wearing the right shirt, it was just like I it was digging into different places, you know? So I can't even imagine like the struggle that people, you know, that go through because there's like very few, I think, like accessible clothing lines to people that are like living with it with a disability, you know? So it's like, I don't know. It just made me recognize that a little bit more. So it changed, I think, the way that I had to dress based off of what I was doing. But and also change the way I can I just hear such awareness. Like you're just like, I'm aware of myself. I'm aware of the world. I'm aware, <laughs> like aware, aware, aware. But I think the pandemic did that. It kind of flipped us all upside down. And, you know, it just like made me challenge, I think, like a lot of the blind spots that I had, you know, especially the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, I think that was the first sort of spark for me. You know, I was always like, you know, I, I definitely would had said it at points in my time in my life being like, oh, I'm not racist. And then like, I had to like dig into that. And like understand what that, but what what that means are me saying that, you know, and yeah. it really like challenged. I think a lot of like the privilege that, regardless of me being a queer person, you know, I I, I still like, you know, I'm, I'm white. I still had privilege growing up, you know, that a lot of people that a lot of other people from many different backgrounds so that you know face every single day, and you know, so it, it kind of challenged me to like want to educate myself a lot more and like have more conversations, you know, with people to better understand, I think, like what they go through, because, you know, I want someone to understand what I, I went through, you know, and so mm-hmm. why should I not also like, connect with other people too, and understand where they are, because I think it just like, allows me to like, again, recognize my blind spots and, and kind of like my privilege that I have. So. And all of that is growth, right? Yeah, like that's 100%. all growth in self in society and understanding and, and seeing that reflected in the world around us, which includes fashion, yeah. whether it is, you know, the media campaigns or, mm-hmm. you know, who is the founder of the brands, who are the models on the runway, what sizes are represented, all of exactly. that stuff. Like it is such a social document for our values in the moment. They sure are. Miles, I've so enjoyed our conversation. Oh, you. <laughs> so when you look through your lens of, of content creation, what is like a dream outfit that you would love to wear? Is there anything that like when you when you close your eyes and you're like, oh, you know, like it's full length chiffon, it's like leather head to toe, it's like like is there anything that you're like, that is something I'm dying to like? put on this hot pod oh my gosh I mean for me it's like you know I just want like one you know I know Jean-Paul Gaultier is like I don't know if he's like fully doing his line anymore but like I'm just like I was like my dream to kind of just be like dressed completely in Gaultier Uh, so (laughs) I would say like anything anything designed by by him would just would be a total total treat <laughs> all right we'll tag him on social and see if he, oh if he hooks I you have, up. <laughs> i literally like when i was in paris i was like going to his boutique every single day being like hello <laughs> <laughs> is jean paul here yeah JPG, like, anywhere anywhere discovered right now <laughs> miles this has been such a pleasure if we'll link your social handles below but where are the best places for people to follow you and your journey where are all the places they can find you oh my gosh so literally i feel like everywhere on social media so like mainly tiktok instagram twitter facebook everything is at miles with a y and then sexton so just my name um yeah and then i have my website as well it's just milesexton.com awesome thank you so much oh thank you so much for having me this is such a treat 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I would love to connect with you on social. You can find me at Fashion Talks Pod on Instagram is the best place. If you have a moment to rate and review Fashion Talks on Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate it. It helps other people find the podcast. A big thank you to CAFA, the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards, uh, the producing partner with Fashion Talks. You can find out more about CAFA and all the other things we've talked about today in the show notes. Until next time, thank you so much for joining me. Bye. Bye.